everyone, and welcome back to the Traction Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Sim versus Arcade, one of the many debates that racing game fans love to have with absolutely anyone who will listen on the internet. I'm obviously Justin, and joining me today are Tom and John. Say hello, Tom and John. Hello, Tom and John. Hello, Tom and John. <laughs> Thank you both for completing that joke. Uh, so I've got a number of topics that I want to talk about, and obviously we're specifically talking about Sim versus Arcade racing games. Um, and I wanted to start off with a discussion about Sim versus Arcade over the years. Um, so I didn't actually look up, I don't know even if you could look up this statistic, I didn't look up like how many arcade racing games came out per year going back the last 20 years and charting everything. You know, I didn't go that far into it. But certainly to me, it feels like the ratio of uh, sim games to arcade games is going up over time. More sim games, fewer arcade games. Is that something that you guys would agree with? Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? And I think maybe a reason for that is the uh, ever-advancing technology, which allows or caters for enhanced realism. Therefore, we have games... Well, simulators has become a term. You know, I don't think it actually really... Ever, well, it maybe was used, but it wasn't necessarily applicable. I suppose it's relative. And then also, along with the technology, you've now got equipment to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big thing for me as well, like obviously you're talking about the technology, there's the hardware and the software. So you've got games yeah. becoming more realistic and simulation stuff, and then you've got more accessible sim racing equipment, which is obviously, you know, the wheels are getting better, the rigs are getting better. For me as well, I think uh, sim racing is becoming a big thing, which is making a difference to games as well. So obviously you can have sim racing on an arcade game, um, but the term being sim racing obviously suggests okay simulation we want to recreate racing as realistically as possible and i think the whole it's just there's just this massive kind of push i guess from the industry towards sim and away from arcade and whether it's down to the competition the equipment the software everything like that it just all seems to be heading in that kind of same direction it seems like that's where the money is at the moment certainly is on the sim side of things with that being said though um, the most popular racing games of all time, the most bought racing games of all time, are like Mario Karts and, yeah. and th those types of games. So um, still to this day. But I mean, also the most watched TV shows come from decades past because there was a lot less to choose from. So I wonder if it's the same sort of situation with that. If the only reason that Mario Kart hasn't been usurped yet is because uh, just there's so many games to choose from now. I totally agree with that. You know, I think that Mario Kart obviously was probably one of the first big racing games on a global scale when, yeah. when the consoles were obviously a lot harder to come by. And I think that therefore it's carried its reputation. It is the racing game for Nintendo. And I believe that's kind of why it's, it's been so big. And it's obviously amazing at the same time. You know, I, I love Mario Kart to bits. But I think if you try and create a new, a new Mario Kart now with a different name, it, it's not necessarily going to be super successful. Whereas with a sim, you know, you can come along with as a new brand making a sim. And if it's high quality, you'll be able to bring the people in. And although I think that, you know, arcade games in, in history have maybe been bought more, Look at the way that sim racing can sell. Sim racing games can sell themselves for extra money. You know, people constantly paying subscriptions, buying more and more content. I don't think you could quite get that same repetitive customer in in a situation with a, with a game that just came out. So, or an arcade game, I should say. It's it's all a bit complicated, but I, I can see why it is the way it is. Uh, oh, I'd like to disagree. Oh, is that okay? John? <laughs> no, no, sorry, we're not we're not allowed to disagree on this. We're allowed to do that. I think there's I think there's great scope for an arcade game to do very well in the modern age. I just don't think someone has necessarily uh, done it in a good way at the minute or has uh, fallen away from it. I think 
the Need for Speed games have long been a, a bastion of popular arcade races, and they've just not been that great in the past few iterations, and that yeah. doesn't help when the leading franchise is not on form. Yeah. And likewise, the Burnout games are great, and uh, we've had another remaster of Burnout Paradise for Switch recently. So there's appetite for it, but, but there's no new Burnout game, so that's another thing. And then Mario Kart itself was, just last week at the time of recording, Mario Kart 8 on Switch, and if you combine the Wii U sales as well, became the biggest selling racing game of all time. Mm-hmm. So I imagine if there was a new Mario Kart game off the back of that, I still think it would be a big success. However, to slightly agree with you, John, there's been a load of other karting games to try and replicate that, and they haven't sold that well. Like There's the Sonic All-Stars, there's the Mod Nation races, Little Big Planet, Crafting Racing. They're great, but they haven't sold as well as Mario Kart, have they? So I'm going to follow up and ask you guys, uh, why aren't arcade games being successful right now? Why is all the money in, in Sim stuff when there's so many people buying? You know, I guess it is a different thing. It's a quantity, quality thing. The Sim racers will spend a lot more money, as John pointed out. Um, but there's a lot more people buying the arcade games, as you pointed out, Tom. But um, what do you think can be done to modern arcade games to to make them more appealing, to bring them into the space? Yeah, it's tricky. Like, I think that, you know, when we were growing up as well, and, you know, we were, we were all of an age where when we were younger, simulation wasn't really in yet. It wasn't a thing. I mean, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of growing up just when it was beginning to, to kind of come into to things. And I think that as a kid, an arcade game is a lot more manageable than a simulation. Obviously, nowadays, lots of kids are into racing, get their hands on a wheel or get their hands on simulation stuff and can maybe be pushed in that direction a bit younger than they would have been a few years ago. But I feel like, you know, we've all grown up on arcade games and they're fun because you can just relax and play them. I just think for, for us, it's almost like this new technology, this new ability to do sim racing and and be able to play more realistic games, it becomes this kind of quest for more and more, and you just want things to be more and more realistic. And I think it's that you know when you you know you get a new game at Christmas or a new toy, and you just want to to play the heck out of it for for a while before it begins to kind of drop off a little bit. I feel like we're still at that that stage with sim racing, and, and we're we're still striving for more. We're constantly wanting more and more out of it, and it's still exciting us. So maybe that's why there's a bit more of an appeal for that nowadays, but. I mean, arcade racing games are still great fun. I just don't think that they quite have the same demographic that maybe, you know, for me, for example, I don't spend that much time with with the demographic that arcade racing games are aimed at. So maybe I'm not the right person to answer that. I think we need to be aware of the fact that children might be more willing to play arcade games and we maybe don't hear about it as much. Oh, yeah, I was going to butt in with the, the exact same thing. <laughs> we're, we're older now mm-hmm. and employed and we have our own <laughs> money. Uh, and therefore, it's not like we're saving up our pocket money or asking Santa for something, well, you know, when we're 10 years old. But there is still that market, and it's often to overlook it or forget about it. And I just think it's a real shame that something like uh, a Ridge Racer or a Split Second or Blur, th- these were great games. Clearly, they blurred or Split Second didn't sell well enough <laughs> at the time. But but just touching as well on what you were saying, John, about the new technology and being able to race online, which mm. wasn't really a thing back then, I would love to see uh, an arcade racer in the ilk of the ones I've just mentioned that's online connected and is more of a games as a service, going back to what you said, Justin, where it's like, you know, you've got this, you've invested in your equipment and you don't necessarily buy that many games, but you invest in that game over and over. So I'd just love to see an arcade racer try that in the modern era. And let's see. That's not really a business case, right? If I went to a, if I went to a business and were like, oh, it was worked in the past, but let's just put online and it, I don't think they'll go for it. But that's what I'd like to see. 
Well, uh, that kind of leads well into my next question, which was going to be, is is realism getting out of control? Is it, does it, I mean, can it be too real? Does it reach a point where it's like, this is no longer, you know, I would actually appreciate if there was a little bit of fiction to it. Because certainly for, for me personally, um, sometimes you get to a point where it's like, oh, well, I could go do this in real life. Um, maybe not with racing games necessarily. Certainly you can't just go race Formula One or whatever. Um, but, you know, this is a space where you could do anything. You could do literally anything. It's like drawing a cartoon. You know what I mean? You could do absolutely anything. So to, to do something that is done by normal people in everyday life, does that, you know, become a problem? John? You made so many good points there. And this this question has so many layers. I feel like that question alone could be a podcast, genuinely. Like, <laughs> because obviously the more realistic the technology is, the more impressive it is and the closer to real life racing we can get. Now, a lot of people that play racing games don't have access to real life racing. It's way too expensive. It's just not in, in you know, something that's within realism for them. Um, and that's that's a, probably the, by far and away the most common situation. You know, how many racing game fans say, oh, but I'd just love to drive this in real life or give it a go in real life. So I think that that's kind of itching a scratch for people. It's, it's as close to real racing as you can get. But, you know, it gets to a point where eventually things get so realistic and you think, well, hang on a minute. When did this stop becoming about the fun? You know, and maybe I want to do things in a game that I can't do in real life. And that's what be, that, that's where I get my enjoyment, because it's something that the technology allows me to do that normally I wouldn't be able to do. So there's got to be some sort of line somewhere. Saying that, does there even need to be a line somewhere? Maybe we just need to cater for both audiences. But I think, you know, when you're doing sim racing and esports, for example, there does get to a point where you start questioning, you know, why does things need, why do things need to be this realistic? You know, for example, we're doing a qualifying session in an esports event and everyone has to drive back to the pits carefully and drive into the pit box when they finish because it looks neat on a broadcast or whatever the reason because that's what they do in real life you know if they are if you run out of fuel you don't get to return to the garage and stuff like that you cannot use the keyboard you've got to drive and it's like okay that's cool i like the fact that you're trying to make it look real but does anybody really enjoy doing that would people in real life <laughs> choose to do that if they had the option not to. And, and obviously that's one example and we can have our own discussion about that. But I feel like there are so many situations where that kind of question becomes a point. You know, do we really need to do this when we have technology to do something else? That's such a good point. And it goes back to what Justin was saying about the blank canvas of, of video games or platforms or sims or whatever you might want to call them. Like when on the cooling down lap and stuff like that. Like once the race has happened, it fast traveling to the pits still doesn't break the immersion so much for me. Because it's just like, well, I can do that. The technology is there. So that's, I just wanted to say that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess uh, the next, the next uh, topic that I wanted to touch on is, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm debating on this one. <laughs> There's so okay. many angles, isn't there? There's so we'll, many. We'll, we'll touch on the esports side of things since you touched on that, John. Um, do you think that the same skills are there in terms of uh, arcade games and sim games? Do you think if you are good on a sim that you can be good in arcade racing games and vice versa? Is there a correlation there? There's definitely a correlation um, to the base skills and the understanding of how to get more speed out of a car. But it's not nearly as simple as that because there, you know, 
you could be really good in a wheel, but you might have a really bad hand-eye coordination with a controller, for example. Your brain works in a certain way. So for me, I've grown up with cars. I've had a wheel since I was a very young age. My dad bought me a wheel so I could play Toka Touring Cars too when I was a you know six or seven year old, and I'm forever grateful for that. But it, you know, because I've had a wheel for so long, I, I obviously know how to apply my skills to that wheel. Whereas if you then give me a controller and put me in an arcade game, it's a whole new thing to learn. Now I understand the mechanics of how to drive well and how to how to make a car go fast when the game allows natural realistic inputs to make that difference. But if there's a game where you're actually faster by you know not braking and going flat out and and drifting a certain way, that'll make you quicker then there's no reason why I'd be any better than that than a five-year-old because that's not my, you know, my brain has to then readjust to this new skill set. So there, of course, is correlation to understanding how to make a car go faster, but arcade games can take that canvas and throw it out the window because you don't need the same skills. You know, my girlfriend smashes me on Mario Kart. It took me weeks and weeks of playing Mario Kart to be able to beat her on that. And I remember, like, I just, wa- I just won an esports event or something with a top team. I'd qualified for a big <laughs> final. And then to chill out in the evening, I went for a game of Mario Kart. And my girlfriend absolutely destroyed me because I wasn't used to the mechanic of Mario Kart when she was. So, yeah, in theory a little bit, but in reality, it's totally different. So so you can beat the best drivers on Assetto Corsa Competizione, but... But not your girlfriend, America. I, I can now, though. I can now because I can oh. time into it because I wasn't accepting that. You know, that was not going to happen. <laughs> but no, honestly, though, we still have really close races all the time. She teaches me how to go faster on time trial and 200cc, and that is not one word of a lie. Yeah, I can jump on this other game and and be at the top level. So yeah, it's it's definitely there's something there. Mm, it's an interesting point that that you mentioned there uh, because I agree that each each platform you almost have to become a specialist if you want to be super competitive at it. Mm-hmm. However. There are some transferable skills, I think, if you start out on a kart racer or a, a, a Need for Speed, or then you progress to Formula One, and then you progress to iRacing, and that is the sense of competition and sort of the adrenaline rush, but also just this, this edge to be the best. So learning the controllers, learning where the best boost pads are on Wipeout or Pacer, for example, is still a competitive edge. Yeah. And in in the sim world, you're still going to find the best setups or the, the brake heating trick in iRacing, for example, controversial this year. And that that's analogous to, uh, I don't know, a blue shell or something in a way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't fully agree with you on that one, Tom, though, because I, I feel like even though, yes, there are aspects of that that are completely true. You can say that about any game, really. You know, learning how, yeah, to, exploit, learning how to exploit a game um doesn't need to be racing but you know learning how to become competitive how to you know how much of a difference it makes to practice three hours a day or to use the best web you know all these kind of things can be applied to any game so in reality yes you're right but i i don't necessarily think that's enough of a of a similarity that that makes the skills directly transferable obviously as well as you say there there are arcade games where you know you can learn that you need to drive slower to go faster those kind of like really raw basic understandings of racing those things will definitely help you when you get to sim racing as well um, and if I'm playing Ridge Racer, for example, and I need to work out the quickest way around the track is to use the uh, the fastest line, and I, and that teaches the, the the notion of oh okay, I don't just flat out on every corner. I might have to brake. I might have to drift. The mechanics are completely different. The game's completely different, and it's a tenuous point. But there's also an element of working out, remembering the tracks, learning things. And I suppose you're right. You apply it to any game. It's like Sebastian Loeb is a nine-time WRC champion. Before that, he was a gymnast. I'm sure he learned some uh, motor skills in his body or his sense of uh, direction <laughs> from that or something. I don't know. It's super Sports tenuous. psychology anyway. as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All of that. Yeah. Thing. What do you think, Justin? 
Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I actually agree with with all of that completely. I unfortunately <laughs> I, I cannot be uh, I, I cannot be controversial on that one. Uh, the next question I was going to ask was, should arcade games have esports? Because obviously the esports side is even more askew compared to. So we were talking about nowadays. There's a lot more sim games than there are arcade games. It feels like, and it's just getting worse and worse as time as time goes on. Esports is an even worse thing is an even worse situation where all of the racing game esports as far as i know anyway are uh sim related not there's there's no arcade or if there are arcade it's very very small it's very niche i don't really know a whole lot about it that sort of stuff um do you think that there should be arcade esports mario kart wipeout type you know zero gravity games uh do you think that should be a competitive thing you want to take this one first, Tom? <laughs> the awkward silence meant that we don't really know. I think, <laughs> well, speaking for myself there, <laughs> I think they should, um, if it helps bring in an audience to esports who are again not into the super serious sims. Some, like you know, the light and shade helps bring people into the market. And also, there's nothing wrong with liking something that isn't serious and enjoying it. Uh, so, for example, there's esports for shooting games. So why can't there be for a kart racer or a flying game? I mean, it's not a racing game, but it's got vehicles in it. But Rocket League esports is very popular. Okay, it's football, really. But right. it shows the scope for something that's fantastical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, League of Legends is one of the biggest esports scenes worldwide. Right. And there's, reality, nothing, there's nothing realistic about that. So I think they're exactly. two totally separate issues. The, the, the thing that makes a difference is, you know, esports, in some sense, when it's actual sport, it's it's trying to kind of recreate the sport in a virtual world so whether it's fifa you know you're recreating football stuff like that whereas esports is also the term that's used for just gaming in general that's not trying to replicate mm -hmm. real life so there's i've never really thought about it too much but esports is sometimes is sports but sometimes it's just gaming you know it's gaming yep. tournaments with the under the bracket of esports so with racing because you have the ability to make it realistic that tends to be why sim racing is the ground for esports but i definitely don't think it needs to be there's no reason why there can't be you know top level mario kart esports i mean you can see how many people try and exploit loopholes and stuff like track mania to try and break world records and things like that and there's definitely a skill to that too so i, I don't think there should be any kind of um there should be any ceiling to what you can do with esports and gaming because at the end of the day you know any game that you're really good at is a skill that takes time to master and there's no reason why one being better at one game is any more impressive than being better at another game if anything you know, sim racing for esports is kind of not the right way to do it because we've already got real racing for that. So people yep. can already, you know, show that they're the best drivers. So surely esports should be almost a way of celebrating people who are better gamers when it comes to racing. And maybe sims aren't the way for that. Obviously, I'm I'm kind of, you know, throwing ideas around and playing devil's advocate against myself here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't see why there should be any. I don't see why there should be any limits to what it can be. Yeah, I was just going to add to that that. Uh, there is a certain element of the serious esports, perhaps trying to appeal to an existing motorsport audience. Right. And as you say, there, you know, but there's people who play track media who probably don't watch world touring cars or NASCAR, uh, but they're still enjoying esports with vehicles in it. And so there's nothing, there's no problem with that. Well, we've, you know, we've seen Formula One esports is huge. Is the F1 game a sim? You know that's. <laughs> oh, that, know, is a, that is a whole podcast. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. There's where does it stop in that sense? I would you know, say yes, it, but a lot NASCAR of heat, not. esports. You know, on Heat Five stuff like that. Yeah, I, I would say Formula One is a sim as well, but that is 
I agree, Justin. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, by the way, um, uh, you mentioned Trackmania. I completely forgot about Trackmania. That probably is the biggest <laughs> arcade racing esports, isn't it? The Grand League or whatever they have at the moment. Um, Everybody forgets about Trackmania, though, because it's sort of it, hidden away at the minute. <laughs> but it's it's still not that arcadey. Track Trackmania is almost like uh, F1 in the future. Um, or almost like Robo Race in the future, if you ask me. I think it's actually closer to Robo Race. Like it's almost like Trackmania is uh, a situation where it's real cars being controlled remotely by people in a safe sort of VR. But it's happening in the future. You know, the year is two thousand three hundred and twenty and stuff like that. <laughs> and I think that's neat. But it's again, the it goes back to the blank slate thing. It's like I think you could do more. And I think they have done more. So they've got they've got like those weird things, like those pads where you lose grip when you go over it. They've yeah. got the huge jumps and stuff like that that are coming into it. So, um, and it seems to be drawing a pretty big audience. Um, I follow one guy on Twitter that kind of keeps me updated with the Grand League and and what's going on with it. And it seems like it's getting pretty good viewership from uh, from what I've been hearing uh -huh. about recently. But um, I mean, I, I completely agree. Like I. I and and I wonder, you got me wondering specifically, John, um, are we missing out on racing game esports? Is there a bigger ceiling to be had from arcade esports? Because you, you rightfully pointed out the biggest esports have n no base in real life. FIFA esports is not big, bigger than League of Legends or Dota or CSGO or even um, what's that new one where they have guns and powers? Uh, oh, you've lost me, Justin. Yeah, you guys yeah. don't keep up on the one twenty twenty one, is it? <laughs> but so so do you guys think that we're actually this is a missed opportunity and that actually the racing game genre maybe could be could have a much bigger audience if there was more focus on arcade racing games possibly? Maybe it's because the genre is so big in itself that that's the problem because I think a lot of racing game fans are fans of racing games because they love racing. Therefore, right. you know, for me, for example, Am I going to sit down and watch an esports tournament for like Trackmania? Maybe I love playing Trackmania, but I don't think that's what gets me about it. What gets me is the real side of motorsport, but that's just a personal opinion thing. I think because we are a lot of racing game fans are racing fans, it, it almost widens that whole thing so that a lot of people involved in the industry will not really look at that. What you really need is a bunch of specific people that are fans of the game. So, you know, if, if Trackmania became the biggest game on the planet because as many people loved it as, as as many people love League of Legends, then I don't see why it wouldn't become such a big esports thing. So I don't really think that there are too many limitations there. I think you need to separate the game from the industry anyway. Does League of Legends have loads of other games that are very similar to it? You know, I'm sure there are similar styles of games, but I'm not really sure that that's an entire, you know, it's not like FIFA is a football game and there are lots of different football games, but I'm not sure if League of Legends has that kind of same thing where it's part of a much bigger picture. It's just that game and specifically that people love playing. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. So that kind of leads, oh, Tom? No, no, it's all right, Karen. Uh, I, I was just going to say that kind of leads into my next question, which is, would you watch <gasps> arcade esports? Would you specifically watch, I don't know, Forza, if there was Forza Horizon esports, because um, that's pretty arcade, you know, I wouldn't call that a sim. Um, would you would you tune in for that? Let's assume that their camera system and spectating system isn't total garbage and that it actually <laughs> looks pretty good. Um, would you tune in and watch that? That sounds like your uh, Forza Horizon opinion there, Justin. It's a good episode <laughs> if you're not listening to it. 
That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. For me, what makes a good sport, regardless of the E element, is if the competition is healthy. So if there's a close competition with a large grid of equally skilled people and the racing is unpredictable, yeah, why not? Why don't you watch the Trackmania one? Is it because the cars are ghosted? Uh, I don't. That's obviously so, a big thing. You know, yeah. that's, that's kind of a defining thing about it. I don't. I wouldn't mind the ghosting in particular, but it's uh, it's more the fact that uh, this Trackmania in general doesn't feel like it's quite a finished thing at the minute, mm. and so nothing to do with the actual sporting competitive side and that and that front. Gotcha. For me, the the love of watching esports comes from the love of watching sport as much as it comes from the love of playing games. For me personally, so this maybe doesn't apply to most people, but you know, I, I love racing. And I also love playing racing games. Therefore, if I see a particular series where I'm invested, I know the drivers, I'm into the cars, I'm into the game, I can really sit down and enjoy a good race in the same way that I would enjoy watching a, a good real race. Now, with esports, for me, in my head, is a separate thing to racing and sim racing because for me, that's that's a different industry. It's a game. It's, it's not about watching a real race and that being the thing I enjoy about it. However, what I would say is I used to live with someone who absolutely loves League of Legends um, esports and... The thing about sport is you don't necessarily need to know everything about the specific game. You don't need to love everything about that. It's about the competition. It's about the personalities, the stories, right? So with you know with League of Legends, if my flatmate was able to say to me, oh, by the way, that team's the underdog. They've never reached this quarterfinal before. And the team they're playing against have won it the last four years. They've also just sat, you know, sacked their star player. And everyone's worried about how this player is going to perform. That's what gets you excited because you then feel invested. You know who you want to win. So I think you could do that with anything. I think marble racing, you know, get right into Marbula One, you know, um, <laughs> and you could definitely do that with Trackmania. You could do it with Mario Kart, anything like that. The, the game itself is less important when it's that aspect. And then separately from that, racing esports for me, I love because I love racing. Does that make sense? They're two totally yeah. different things in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would agree that. And I think what we're saying is that actually the, an arcade game whatever you define it as an arcade game, because that's a whole different debate, uh, is uh, absolutely fine and should be very, very popular as an eSport. That's that's my opinion. But but Justin, where does IGP Manager fit into this? Is that a sim or an arcade <laughs> thing? But that, that, that does eSports, right? Yeah, yeah well, uh, not at the moment, not currently, but they have done in the past. They oh, played around with it. Maybe that's something that'll come about with the with the 3D stuff. Maybe they'll, they'll get back into the eSports side of things. Um, but yeah, I mean... That's a good example. Something that is not necessarily, you know, something that you're into already can be very exciting. Um, for for example, Rocket League esports is what what drew me in. Yeah. Even though I never once played Rocket League, never had any desire to play Rocket League. I don't watch football or soccer, depending on what country you're from and what what you want to call it. Um, I'm, so I'm not even interested in the sport that it's based on. Nor was I interested in the game. And the only reason I started watching it was because I was working at Veloce at the time and they had a Rocket League team. So I started watching it for work, essentially, and got really into it. I was like, <laughs> this is incredible. You know, I, you know, they're scoring goals and I'm screaming, going, yes, yes, yes. And uh, I, I'm getting the same sort of like feeling and reaction from myself that I got from the F1 esports. And the F1 esports my passion there is due to my involvement. You know what I mean? Like I'm part of it. I've been part of it since the very beginning. I know all the drivers. I know all the moving parts and the drama and, and all the stories behind it, as John kind of touched on, um, you know, and that's what made it interesting for me. But for, for Rocket League, 
it was just because it was hugely entertaining. Like, yeah. you know, I sat down and I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. And by the end of the first broadcast, I was like, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. You know, the showmanship, it was just like you could see the skill that was required to pull off the things that they were doing. That the And you could really see the difference between a, a good player and a bad player. And you got to see them with each other. So um, with something like F1 esports or indeed racing esports at all, if somebody's really, really good, they're going to be boring as hell to watch because they're just going to take off into the, they're going to get pole position. They're going to take off into the distance and it, they're going to win by 10 seconds and it's going to be completely uninteresting. Yeah, there might be some stuff going on at the back, which is interesting. That's neat. But really what we all want to see is like a five-way battle for the lead. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah, like exactly. the dream the dream scenario. Anything less than that and we're just we're just settling for for whatever it is. But with Rocket League you got to see these underdogs going up against these heavy hitters and you got to see the underdogs come out on top every now and again. Usually the heavy hitters would win, you know, the top teams would win, but every now and again an underdog would sneak through. And you know, I, so I think there is opportunity for an arcade racing game or maybe not not an argument. Maybe it needs to be like more of like an onrush style game. You know, maybe something mm-hmm. like that will end up becoming Your favorite. <laughs> in the in the future. Who knows? Maybe an onrush type game will end up being the best. You know, racing esports. I I I, I can't really predict, but I can say, yeah, I agree. You don't have to necessarily be into it. You know, if if you just put on a good show with your game, with your esports, whatever it is, that will draw people in for sure. Yeah. I think also what what's coming from this big discussion about esports is that we're what we're saying is I think feel free to disagree. Um, the game doesn't have to be grounded in reality or ultra realistic to be fun, and therefore, if you're really into sim games, this is my opinion now. Uh, just because someone really likes an arcade game doesn't mean the game is trash. Right. I feel like that's the start of a, of another very broad yeah. topic. I, I, I do apologize. I feel like no, I've no. offended half of our audience. I totally uh, agree. You, I t- by all means, have your opinions. Happy days. But just because a game is not realistic doesn't mean that it's enjoyed by many, many millions of other people. Does I mean, does anyone seriously think Mario Kart is a bad game? You know, because it's not realistic. Well, you know, people well, love it. I've been on enough forums recently, John. Maybe not. Maybe I'm. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I live in a house that loves Mario Kart. But you know, Reddit, Reddit. I think that I think you know, it's again, it's such a broad one. But uh, you know, there's so many people that they'll if it's not as realistic, it's it's smeared upon, it's looked down on because you know the skills aren't the same. You know, you you don't have to be a good driver to be good at this game, but you do have to be a really good one to be good at that. And it's, sometimes Sims are even more difficult than real life. A lot of the time they are. I went out in iRacing. Um, I'd not done a race in five years. I was doing the Le Mans 24-hour, and I was under a lot of pressure. I was a really good team, and I got out there for the first lap of practice, and it was just like driving on eggshells, you know. And it, that's not how the real car would react, you know. The, the tire model at the time was really was was criticised quite heavily for, you know. And I don't want to not going to start a, a bashing iRacing thing here, um, but it was really really difficult. And because I because my equipment isn't quite, I don't get as much feeling through the equipment as I get in real life. They they try to make all the the physics really realistic but i didn't get the same feel so therefore when the tires were cold and getting up to speed i had no idea where the grip was at and that made it harder than it would have been if i'd have jumped out in that gte car in real life and i know that for a fact so um yeah like it yeah it's not always it's not always the right thing to just look down upon you know arcade games as if because they're not as realistic they're not as good or anything like that 
that leads very nicely into one of the next questions I was going to ask, actually. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the best and worst examples of sim and arcade racing games. Now, I don't think any of us would describe iRacing as a worst example of sim racing at all. We also probably wouldn't describe it as the best example of sim racing either, um, and in fact, that may be the harder question to answer. I'll go ahead and kick us off with, let's start with arcade games, actually, rather than sim games. Um, I want to hear if you guys can think of any, because I know it can be hard to remember bad games. Uh, a lot of times we'll just block them out of our memories. But um, I will kick us off with the one that I could remember, and it was more of disappointment than than it being bad. So um, the my fun level relative to my expectations for fun level. Um, and that was Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed, which I think I've actually talked about before um, on this podcast, possibly. It is probably the racing game that I have you know, been the most disappointed by in my lifetime. And I think it was down to um, the Need for Speed games prior to Porsche Unleashed. And I don't have the Wikipedia in front of me, so I can't tell you exactly which ones they were. Um, but they were very arcadey. Uh, because they were from the 90s. Like, I remember I installed the first Need for Speed game using floppy disks. So that gives you a clue to just how old it was. And I got Porsche Unleashed on PS2, I want to say. Uh, I haven't, again, I'm not, I'm not actually prepared. I don't have the wiki in front of me or anything like that. But I just remember being hugely disappointed by it. I wanted it to be more of an arcade game. You know, I wanted that Need for Speed experience. I wanted to take a Ford GT90 through a, a, you know, like Death Valley at 200 miles an hour, completely unrealistic, you know what I mean? That's why I loved the Need for Speed games, was racing McLaren F1s against Mazda RX-7s and just all the really weird, wacky stuff and the high speeds and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so disappointed by how slow all of the cars were because they were they were going for realism. They wanted the cars to be realistic. And, you know, it was like a celebration of Porsches across the ages. So um, I think they even had like a Porsche, what is it, the 356, I want to say, which was catastrophically slow by even 90s standards. Um, it was just so terrible to drive. And I, I think it was one of the first cars you drive in the game as well, too. And I just remember being so disappointed by the speed, the sense of speed and the tracks as well, too, were much more like kind of Mickey Mouse. And, and you know, you had, there was a lot more braking zones and stuff like that, which for me as a child was quite uninteresting, obviously. Um, do Can either of you think of any arcade racing games that were, was either a huge disappointment or you just think was complete garbage? Oh, yeah. Well, I've got I've got a couple that I'll just briefly go through, if that's okay. So yeah, yeah. the first one is not not a bad game, but it just was a bit meh, And the, which is The Crew, the first one. Now, the second one is still very popular, and it's, it's much improved, in my opinion, and it's still going... The first one was ambitious, and it had this massive open world, but it was a bit of a drag. You, you finished the whole story with the one car hearing the same engine noise over and over. I know you could switch it, but the best way of doing it. And it felt like it outstayed its welcome, whereas the second one, there's so much more to do and the environment's so much richer than it's more enjoyable. And um, on the Need for Speed theme, there was Need for Speed The Run, where the whole concept was you ran from, you drove across uh, uh, was it East Coast to West Coast or West Coast to East Coast? Anyway, across America, very broad scope, but you did it all within like four hours. 
and then at three quarters of the way through the game, the track design was just like up and down like this, and it was some there was some bad bad moments there. So I think that was ambitious, but they didn't have the time or the resource to finish it. So that they were the two sort of ropey arcade games that I can remember. Yeah, I, I, I struggled to remember as you were saying like bad games because I think you kind of like blocked them out of your memory in a way. Yeah. Um, my my experience with bad arcade games is probably more based on expectation and and it, and the, the the pattern i found is games that tried to do things realistically that then weren't realistic at which point they would have been better not trying in the first place so i mean the, the games that spring to mind for me and it's it's weird because i kind of think back on this game in particular fondly um but not necessarily because it was good and that's need for speed pro street and um, it's funny that we all mentioned need for speed but i think there's so many need for speed games that <laughs> is gonna, you know you can't really blame need for speed franchise. Because they've got, but they've got so many games that are great. That right. Obviously, we, we play them, and that's why we know them and remember them, right? So I remember Pro Street tried to be like real racing kind of thing, where you actually go to circuits, and they were, they were actually really cool circuits that they did. But because they tried to make it more like actual racing, it, it almost needed to be better, and it was still it wasn't good at all, and it, it took away all the fun of it. And it's like, okay, if you're gonna make a Need for Speed game, and you know, you, if you're gonna make the cars really slow and frustrating, then that's a bit of a strange one for them to make then make it more realistic in terms of the racing you do but if you're you know if, if you want to make a fun game don't take take away the thing that makes need for speed fun which is the you know close high speed action drifting around massive corners and all that kind of stuff um, it kind of needs to be one or the other so i think a lot of the time the games that disappoint me are the ones that fall too far in the middle because they're trying to be realistic but they're really not and, it, and then the fun also goes was it trying to be a sim then or was it still an arcade race well, that was grounded no. in reality well, that's. I don't think you could say it was trying to be a sim. That's for sure. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it was the. It was like here's an arcade racing game, but we're gonna then make the actual racing itself frustrating and and like I guess real racing, but actually racing you couldn't ever do in real life. It. I can't really explain what it was about it, but it just missed the mark in terms of it was clearly an arcade game, but it was trying to it got rid of the fun things of arcade, if that makes sense. Um, and the other the other examples are like one of the, some of the newer grid titles. I've not been super keen on. Um, and ah, I kind of feel like they're they're in a similar boat sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's that's actually a very good point. Um, well, okay. To be fair to the to the Need for Speed franchise, though, uh, I'm now going to ask for best examples of arcade <laughs> racing games, and I'm going to kick it off with Need for Speed Underground, <laughs> which was my first online racing experience. I remember I had the game for PS2. Um, and I had, uh, the internet connector thingy, whatever. So oh, my PS2, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. My PS2 was, was, uh, network connected wow. and I played against a friend who had need for speed underground, or maybe this was underground too, but it was one of the underground games and, um, he had it for PC. So it was not only one of the, it was not only the first online racing experience that I ever had, it was also the first cross-platform gaming experience that I've ever had that went from PC to console uh, where you could, you know, play with your friends despite them being on console or you being on PC or whatever, whatever the case might be. Um, but, and I guess I can kind of put those two together, Underground and Underground 2, because they did come out rather rapid fire for those of us that are old enough to actually remember when those were brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they came out very, very close to one another. And it was surprising the difference from one to the other. I mean, we, we see these yearly releases nowadays in the modern era. And we're like, oh, it's just a copy and paste. Well, first of all, it's never actually a copy and paste. There's rare examples where there really is actually very little work done from one to the other. Um, But genuinely, 
very surprising the amount of like new content and stuff like that was added in such a small space of time uh, between the two games. But they are some of the most fun I've ever had with racing games. Just, just full stop. Just I mean, just absolutely incredible. I love the customization of of both of the games. They were really, really well done. Um, I, I really enjoyed like the aesthetic of it as well too. You know, it really drew you in. There wasn't so much of a story, or if there was a story, I really don't remember it. But what I do remember from almost twenty years now later is just the style and the vibe. You know, like when I when I cast my mind back to it, I just remember like drifting at night through a city in like a tricked out Mazda Miata with with Nos. Uh, you know, just just stuff like that. And and I think weirdly, it, it's it's one of the best examples. Uh, I would say also Burnout Revenge um, is probably the best sort of like handling, in my opinion, uh, of all the arcade racing games. I just really, really enjoyed how Revenge felt. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> just quickly, Justin, uh, Need for Speed Underground Underground 2, which which cars did they have on the cover? Was it two that had like an, a green MGZ SV? I can't remember uh, what the first one was. Oh, question. Uh, so knows. one of them had an R34 Skyline. That was, yeah, it was a ready orange, wasn't it? Was yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. underground. That was original underground. Was it? Uh, okay. Uh, I think. I, I think. That's all. Look at this. That's all right. Cool. Well, I think I'm going to look it up while John talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You know, you guys have kind of touched on the same thing as uh, as I was going to mention. I mean. Um, if we're if we're going to then you know repair our relationship with the Need for Speed franchise, I would probably throw Most Wanted into the ring. I thought that was a great fun game. Um, Underground as well. I absolutely same same thing. You know, I, great games. Uh, but maybe it's because I was younger that I loved them so much. Um, also, the other one I was going to mention was a Burnout game. Uh, Burnout Three Takedown for me was the one, and it's just because that game was so fun to play. Um, and it didn't try and be realistic in the slightest, but it was just such a wah, satisfying feeling to play it. The offline career mode style thing was very engaging. You felt like you were making progress. In terms of modern games, obviously you guys know how much I love the likes of Art of Rally, but the other one I want to talk about is Wreckfest. You know, Wreckfest is becoming one of the most popular games at the moment, and no one would argue it's a sim. You know, it's hard. It's just as hard to drive on the wheel, I'd say, as the controller. But it's just so fun because it it takes you know the idea of something that you would love to be able to do in real life but never can, and then just goes mad with it. Um, you know, so for me, you know, Wreckfest for that reason has got to be one of one of the best. And uh, you know, track, track very quickly, Track Mania. We've given it a lot of top huh. mentions, but it's huge fun as well. So there's there's How loads. Many did you have there? Five. Yeah, there's well, there's <laughs> loads more good arcade games than bad arcade games, Tom. Ah, what am I saying? Oh, well, man, I'll just keep it brief. Uh, Drive Club, uh, overlooked, under, uh, often forgotten. It had a terrible, terrible launch with bad PR. Uh, the reviews will stick forever. But over the next two years, they made it really wonderful. It was an arcade game, but it had a feeling of solidarity and weight to the handling, mm-hmm. which which really meant that it was easy to get into but hard to master. And then they also added bikes, which was underrated, and VR, which was wonderful. So Drive Club is my pick for best arcade racer that I can think of today. Where's your uh, other six, it... Tom? You know. <laughs> no, that's it. Uh, by the way, I think Wreckfest was an incredible shout. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because if I had, if I had remembered it, certainly I would have mentioned it too. Uh, the cover art car for Need for oh, yeah. Underground 2 was a green Nissan 350Z. Oh, not an MG. I got that well no. wrong. <laughs> Same that, thing, right? I mean, honestly, I was I was like, I don't think they would put an MG yeah, on the cover of an EA game, game in America. Like, anyway, it's green. 
Right. Huh. You were you were right about that. You were right about that. And yes, we Goodness. were right about the R34 Skyline, the kind of like reddish, uh, reddish kind of orange one uh, for for the first underground. Um, OK, so best and worst examples of sim racing games. Um, I'm actually less prepared for this one, um, but I really like I'm going to say uh, let's start with best for this one. Unless, unless you were going to give uh, your worst, worst Tom. <laughs> I was going to go worst, but I'll, I'll give you both. Uh, yeah. Well, a really good one at the minute is Assetto Corsa Competizione. It's got yeah. a singular vision of replicating sort of GT3 and GT4 cars, and it does that very well. So I think very it well. shows that if you focus on one series, it's very good. Yep. And a bad one, well, I quite like it. I think it's okay. I'm an apologist for it. A lot of people on the internet hate it. It's the TT Alaman 2 Ride on the Edge, I think the full title is. Everyone always forgets motorcycles when it comes to simulators. That is one. It's impossibly difficult. It takes five hours before you complete a lap. And I think that's probably why people were off-put by it. But the replication of the Isle of Man circuit is superb. John? Yeah. I can't Did wait to try that Do you have an opinion about well. Isle of Man specifically? Because you, uh-huh. you seem to that respond to that. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, it's because I know Tom has feelings about that. I've, I've heard him talk to me about it before. He's come crying to, to, uh-huh. to my corner going, oh, they're making fun of my game and I don't want them to. Um, I'm not saying it's a great game. No, well, so I, I'm actually saving myself with that game. I've got it down, start, downloaded, but I'm actually because I want to. I want to make a traction video on it. First time ever playing it to see if yeah, it really yeah. is as difficult. So you know that's one for another time. But you know the good sims I could talk about all day and and the different qualities. You know I think Richard Burns Rally needs to mention. I think that's just and for its time a phenomenal example of of a simulation done really really well and they've nailed the things they needed to nail. And obviously that game has been carried so far in the future. Um, stuff like ACC more recently has probably been up there for me. Um, the big hitters iRacing R Factor 2 do a great job because they're they're constantly fighting for that top level and pushing themselves to get better. So, you know, I could sit here and, and go on all day. Automobilista, another great example. Fantastic game. Bad Sims, I don't have as much experience play. I think a lot of the smaller Sims, um, some, some of them go under the radar, but mainly because they're, they were a bit too ambitious. And you need a big budget and a big... Uh, you need you need well maybe not budget but you need a big big resources to be able to create something really good um when team. it comes to simulation you need a big team you need experience and a lot of kind of smaller companies that try and make sims quite often fall under the wayside but i'm not here to, to talk about any of those specifically because i think it's a bit unfair but i think some of the some of the less known sims there are some disappointing ones out there that are still quite pricey i will say it's hard for me to pick out a a bad sim it seems it seems to me that almost all of them have some sort of redeeming quality and i don't know if it's because they're a sim that i'm willing to sort of forgive uh any any sort of faults that they might have because yeah i i i could immediately tell you uh, an arcade game that i wasn't happy about but a sim, and you know, I'm not a massive fan of a lot of them, but for me to say that they're like, you know, a, the worst example of a sim racing game, oh, that's that's a tough one. And and also, I think sims, as we as we discussed at the beginning of this, are a much newer sort of experience. And I think, you know, they have the benefit of all these older games, and they've learned a lot of lessons. So it's hard to make the same sort of mistakes and stuff like that. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like you could maybe argue that Project Cars three, but is that a sim anymore? Well, that, that's is the problem. Separate podcast, separate podcast. Exactly. Don't, exactly. Don't go there. I will say something quickly about that though. They, they, the problem they have is they advertised as a sim, but the game's yeah, clearly yeah. not a sim. So therefore, as a sim game, it's really not good. If you were to just take it at face value and say it's an arcade game, it's not as bad. So 
Yeah. And I'd like to say, though, um, so I couldn't come up with something for worst sim, but I would like to say my favorite sim of all time probably is actually the original the original Assetto Corsa, I think. Um, just the, the mod community, and I thought all the pricing was very fair and stuff like that. It's not ideal for multiplayer or for league racing, the original Assetto Corsa. Um, certainly the damage model was not good. There was a lot of problems and, and stuff like that. But um, I thought what it did well, it did exceedingly well, and with very little resources as well, too. Kudos is a very small team. Uh, especially back then, um, they were a much smaller team. I think it was just like a few guys in Italy, basically. Um, this was before they got, um, now, now they're getting their games, uh, published by, what is it? 505, something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, so they've, they've definitely got like a, a cash injection and stuff like that. And, you know, things are, have turned around for them. Um, but I think Assetto Corsa is... I mean, it's got good VR as well, too. I've, I've never done VR sim racing, so I can't speak on a personal level about that one. Um, but the mod community as well, too, is, you know, second to none. It really is kind of like in a space of its own when it comes to, to the mod uh, the mod world of modern PC games, racing games. I'm, I'm with you on AC as well. And to be, to be fair, I, I've been, I actually been doing a sim racing league as recent as last week on AC, and it's still pretty good. You know, so even, even the things it's not so good at, it's still completely viable. It's just not as good as some of the newer ones. Same with right. the likes of VR. The usability is not fantastic, but um, but it still works. Like once you get it on and working, it's great. And um, I just wanted to very briefly as well two games that we you know one game specifically that we've never mentioned on this these podcasts that really need a shout out because I believe they're some of the pioneers of sim racing. And that's Live for Speed. We haven't spoken much about Live for Speed, yes. but that it was way ahead of its time in terms of its quality as a simulation. And I still think it would stand up well if you drove it today, apart from maybe the graphics. And this, the other one I wanted to mention is Netcar. Pro. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this, but it's an old sim um, from from quite a long time ago now. And again, it was a small budget. It kind of, I think it might actually have been kind of, well, I'm not going to say that without knowing for sure, but I think it might have some ties loosely to what became a set of Corsa. Um, but that was that was brilliant. You know, it was a small budget sim as well. And wet weather, they absolutely nailed it at a time when other people were not nailing it. So just wanted to give those guys a little shout out because they, you know, some of the pioneers of, of what's become a massive Was there industry. wet weather in Need for Speed Underground? Well, maybe simulation, I mean, like, <laughs> weather simulation. I seem to remember rain in Need for Speed Underground. Okay, yeah, always we're, we're really coming up to the, uh, uh, to the end of our time here, but I did want to pose one final question, and I'm going to answer it right away because you already know what my answer is, and is it possible to perfectly blend simulation and arcade? The answer is yes, Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> do you get, I mean, do, do either of you believe that there is a game that more perfectly blends sim and arcade than Forza Horizon 4? Yeah, Formula 1. Ah, that's that's a good argument. That's a good argument. I think at the moment I prefer playing Forza Horizon 4, but I'm with Tom 100% on this one. I don't think I think I don't know if you could argue Forza Horizon 4 blends sim and arcade because the, the speed of the car is, is so much faster than you can actually carry in real life and you can drive over fields and do 200 meter jumps and it's all fine. Okay. How about this? Yeah. What would you so if you if you were doing like a 70-30 split, 50-50 split, uh, uh, where sim is the first number and arcade is the second number, what would you grade Forza Horizon for? So I would say sim versus arcade, it's maybe 25-75. I was going to say 30-70. Okay. Okay. Tom, what what about you? How would you score it? 80-20. 80-20. Okay. So we're, we're all sort of in this. What about the F1 games? Cuz I would say that's 
60% sim, 40 arcade, 60-40. I would agree with that, yep. Oh, I'd say, yeah, I, I'd even go as far as, say, nowadays, the more very recent ones, closer to 65-70% sim, because... You know, if you look at the speed of the cars, it matches the speed yep. of real life cars, and I think they try their best to recreate a lot of the things that actually happen in a real race. So for me, it's for me, it's even higher. Is there an ideal percentage? I guess that's really oh. down to the individual person, really, isn't it? You know, something like maybe something like GT Sport are doing a good job of that, but it it, it totally depends on where you are on the experience yeah. scale, right? You know, if you're learning, yes. you want a game that's further close towards arcade, maybe Forza the Horizon's great for learning to c- control a car. But where, when you get a bit more serious, you maybe move to Formula One. Likes of Project Cars is a great stepping stone into something that's sim racing. Um, yeah. So I think it's totally subjective. There isn't a right or wrong answer. What I would love to see is someone come along and say, here's one game with an incredibly realistic handling model. And here's a second handling model that you can turn on. Uh, you know, and I know yes. a lot of games try and do this, sim versus arcade mode. But why doesn't it, you know, I'd love to see it, a game that had two full-on physics engines that actually appealed to both. Yeah, no, I agree I with that. The completely. time uh, to create that and uh, skill is, you know, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree though, because I I think um, uh, variety is the spice of life and all of that. You know what I mean? Like, I I really do think it would be fantastic to have that level of customization to be able to turn things on and off. Um, I think that's yeah, absolutely the way to mass appeal to a lot of a lot of different. Uh, skill levels and 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 all that kind of stuff is to yeah exactly have it be an option in the game essentially um let's see um i did have one final question we do have a couple more minutes so i'll 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 ask it um is the focus on sim right now a trend and this is sort of several questions so i'm going to ask all of them at once is the focus on sim right now just a trend do you think Maybe with VR becoming more more popular, that we'll see stuff going more towards arcade again. Do you think people are going to start to get sick? It's oversaturated. There's just too many sim racing games at this point, and not enough or not enough arcade. So it becomes financially better to to create a a uh, an arcade game rather than a sim game. Um, and uh, what about remastered games? We have Hot Pursuit remastered. But that wasn't super fully remastered. But we've seen things like Tony Hawk being remastered very successfully recently. Um, so yeah, it's multiple questions. Is it just a trend? And uh, what do you f- think about remaster stuff? John, go. No, it's not a trend. I think the technology now allows it, and therefore development's going really fast on it. So there's more coming out, more people are putting effort into it, and people are are loving that kind of new lease of life that's been given into racing games. I don't think it's a trend, though. I think it's here to stay, and I think that both can definitely live in harmony because depending on your experience level, as I was saying, there is room for both and both dem- both demographics. Uh, I don't know if you want me to touch on the the second part. I don't really I don't really know my thoughts for that yet. I think I need another second. Are you even old enough to enjoy remastered games? <laughs> well, that's well, the thing. Okay. I, so let's take your your favorite, Richard Burns Rally. Uh, would you like it if somebody essentially took that base game and just threw some nice graphics on top of it and re-released it and charged you 60 bucks? Yes, but I would love them to add to, I'd love them to be able to add maybe features. You know, the the, the base game of the physics is absolutely fantastic. If they could improve the graphics sounds and maybe add a few quality of life yeah something uh, yeah definitely um, there's gotcha. definitely space for that tom uh well on that point i'd rather a sequel to richard burns rally than a, than a remaster <laughs> and i think um yeah i agree with john i don't think the whole sim is a, is a trend per se it's uh it's it's here now and it'll continue to grow and i feel that i hope 
the the trend of less arcade races happening is reversed soon, and and maybe it's just a lull for the time being. But we'll yeah, be, it's it, not, it, it will survive. It's not that we need less Sims; we just need more exactly. Yes. Well, I completely agree with that. So that's that's a great place to, to stop on. Uh, if you guys would like to hear more discussion about any of these topics, as we did mention that several of these probably could be expanded on an entire episode, uh, do let us know. Let us know on social media. Uh, you can also leave comments on the website now as well. So if you'd like to leave a comment directly on the website, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, just let us know what topics you would like to hear, if it was a topic from this one or if it's a topic we haven't touched on at all at any point whatsoever. Uh, do feel free to let us know. That is it for today's episode of the Traction Podcast. If you have an opinion on anything that we discussed at all, please let us know on social media at TractionGG or on our website at Traction.GG. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube and to the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast platform might be. Thanks for listening and keep it pinned. Bye-bye.